0: Friendships. This was a hot topic that I polled my audience about several months ago on Instagram, and I'm so happy to bring on my best friend who's an expert at creating and maintaining deep friendships, my husband, Neil. Together, we talk about the importance of having good friends, where to find those friends, what to do and what not to do to make sure your friendships are rooted in trust, and even some advice for parents whose kids are struggling with friendships. We hope that you'll find some of these ideas helpful and uplifting in this episode. And if you do, we'd love to hear about it at the end if you'll take just a second to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, guys, welcome. It's Neil and me tonight.
1: Hello and and welcome.
0: Yes. We are recording this. It's actually been kind of a crazy day. We had someone else lined up who I'm super excited to have on the podcast. Uh the timing didn't work out and I actually feel like it's kind of meant to be. I think sometimes those things happen. And so today's topic is one that I promised on my Insta stories months ago that I would talk about and then life got busy and I forgot to come back to it. I kept putting it off and forgetting and so we're finally going to tackle the topic of friends. And friendship, adult friendship, teenage friendships, all of the things related to friends. So uh, I want to start this off by sharing how that topic came about. So a few months ago, I just randomly put on my Insta stories a little survey about friendships. And I said, do you struggle with friendships? What's your greatest struggle is it easy to make friends or hard to make friends as an adult? Things like that. And I was really impressed by the the honesty of our community, but also just it made me feel really so sad for so many people who said, I don't even have one good friend, or I really struggle to make friendships. I don't know where to find friends. I don't know how to trust people. So we're going to talk about some of those things today and why I think friendships are so important. So let's actually back up to, and we will get into adult friendships, but before even adult friendships, I want to talk about friendship in, I think the most crucial time in life, which is the teenage years, because I don't know about you guys, but for me, my friends were everything as teenagers. They were my whole entire world, right? My family, unfortunately, at least for me, my family kind of I completely took them for granted, and my friends were my whole world. And it's interesting, as an adult, so a couple years ago, I was asked to speak to a group of teenage girls in our church community, and the topic that I was assigned was obedience. And I was like, sweet, I love that topic. I'm super passionate about obedience. I can give this talk easily, no problem. I outlined the talk. I was ready to go. And then the day of the event, that morning, I had the strongest feeling that I needed to change my talk. And it was like three hours before. So I was kind of nervous about that because I had been assigned the topic of obedience, which I was completely prepared to deliver. So I texted the leader of the young women group and I said, I'm really having a strong prompting that I need to switch my talk and talk about the importance of having good friends. And she was like, do it, go for it. She was totally behind it. So I switched my talk to that. And I just immediately did a deep dive into scripture. And what I found was pretty remarkable. And I've shared this before. So you may have heard me talk about this, but I'll start off with this quotation by L. Tom Perry, who we love. He was a leader in our church. And it says, The friends we choose to associate with are main contributing factors in the formation of our character. We form social habits by association with our friends. I think that's so true. Neil, you had a really amazing group of Teenage friends, right? Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I had a great group of friends in. Well, just kind of all growing up, I've had really good friends. I've kind of been blessed in that way. But I think, in particularly in high school, we just had a a, just a really big group of friends. A bunch of guys, you know. There's a a few gals that hung out with us that were were we could put up with our craziness. But I think, for the most part, it was really cool. Just because I think the the values I I had was lucky to have really good friends that were like, values were important to them. I mean, we weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I had a, you know, one of my best friends was always striving to do the right thing and was very influential in trying to get people to do the right thing. I think, you know, he'd get us to go, he got us to go to this, this church activity, kind of like a you know, they call it, especially for youth, you go to a a different, you know, up to uh, a college campus in Idaho and participate in spiritual things. And when you're in in high school, you're kind of like, dude, that's lame. Like, that's the last thing I'm going to be able to do, you know, want to do like, I that was kind of our attitude, but he, he like swung us around and was like, no, man, this is cool. Like, this will be such an awesome opportunity. We all went and had this wonderful experience, really great experience. And it was a good, like uplifting, but so somebody like that. And, and so that really created a culture within our f- group of friends. Um, and something that was big for me just because I'd, I'd had a brother that committed suicide. And, and one thing that before he died, he committed me to, to like not drink or party or or use drugs or or you know drink alcohol. Um, and so that was something that I kind of brought into our group culture was like, hey man, like let's have a good time, let's have fun, let's you know, do mischievous things or whatever, like, you know, get (laughs) into trouble, but let's keep it real. Let's not party. And so, you know, and I think everybody kind of agreed. And, and so that kind of brought that into our culture. And then it created a situation where we supported each other and not everyone was perfect. And like, you know, on the side, you know, people had different struggles or things that they worked through, but in general, it was like, Hey man, you know, like we we can have a good time we can go out and have so much fun and we can you know but we can we can do it in a clean way and and I think that was so supportive and so great for me to have that type of a culture and have a group of friends that that was the influence and you know as a result I had a great experience and was influenced in the right way
0: that's so awesome and I think that you know every parent hopes for that with their kids but I think a lot of parents struggle when they see their kids picking friends that they're like gosh these kids maybe won't be the best influence. And interestingly when I gave this talk this was the thing that jumped out at me from the scriptures when I did that deep dive into the Bible. I found that in Matthew he talks about Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and that he was tempted by Satan, right? We all know that story if we've if we've studied the Bible and this is my personal interpretation of what happened right after the very next thing that Jesus does after he withstands the temptations by Satan he finds his apostles he goes straight down and finds these good men who are fishers and he says it's Matthew 4:19 and he saith unto them follow me and i will make you fishers of men so he goes and he gathers his 12 apostles And this is my interpretation is that I think Jesus Christ saw how difficult it was going to be to withstand those temptations of Satan. And I think he said, I don't want to do this alone and I shouldn't have to do it alone. And I'm going to go find friends who can support me in the good decisions that I need to make in life. And, you know, he went and found the best people he could, who would help him, withstand those temptations of Satan and hold his standards and do all of the right things. And and Jesus Christ was perfect. But when I looked at that and I thought, okay, he is our perfect example of everything, including how to have friendships. This is very interesting to me because we know all about Christ's ministry and how he was in the slums. He Hung out with all of the sinners and he helped all of those people. And I've, you know, I've heard people say, well, aren't we supposed to love everyone? And I've heard teenagers say to their parents before, you know, that's not Christ like to not love everyone and you can't judge them. And I think I even used a line or two like that on my own parents when I was a teenager. Here's the thing though that I think is so interesting when you observe the way that Christ dealt with friendships, he surrounded himself by 12 of the greatest men that he could find who were strong and faithful. And then within that 12, he had his three best friends, Peter, James, and John. And within that three, a lot of people believe that his best friend was Peter. And I think that that's a very interesting example that we can look to and follow. And There's a quotation that Neil and I both like from Jim Rohn, and he said, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And I think that's true. I think that if you're with people who are down on faith and religion, then that's going to rub off on you. If you're around people who like to eat healthy, that's going to rub off on you too. If you're around people who are really into gossiping, it's going to be hard for you to withstand that as well. So I just think that, you know, whoever you're surrounding yourself with the very most is probably going to affect who you're becoming. And yet when Jesus surrounded himself with those 12 people and the three, you know, his his 12 best friends, three best friends, his one best friend, what did they do? They went out and they served and they got to work and they helped people and they, you know, they didn't turn anyone away. And I think that you can do that, too, as a teenager, as an adult, as whatever you can have in your very closest circle, people who are going to influence you for good and lift you up. And then when you have that core group that you're the tightest with, you can then go out and love everyone and serve everyone and include everyone. So those are my thoughts. And I I just found that very interesting when I studied the ministry of Christ and and my interpretation of how he created his closest circle of friends. What do you think, Neil?
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's a very interesting concept. And I think one that I've seen in my, I've seen it played out both ways. So for myself, I think of my brother, um, like I I said, I had a brother that committed suicide. And one of the things that he struggled with was, I think he gravitated towards a lot of the crowds that were more like the party, like into partying and, and kind of doing drugs or smoking marijuana or s- stuff like that. I, and and I think that, you know, and and who knows, I mean, that could have been a reflection of maybe like the self-concept or self-esteem or whatever, you know, influence that would have had. But I think that for whatever reason, he gravitated toward those types of crowds. And as a result, he got into a lot of trouble and it, it took him in a bad direction. And so I think I saw that, and I saw kind of what happened, what came from that. And as, as a result, tried to surround myself with really good people and luck was lucky enough to have really good friends. And so, but I didn't, you know, I didn't always, wasn't always perfect with it. I think that there were times where, you know, where I'd go through a rough patch. I, I think at times, I, one of the toughest times, friendship wise that I can think of was being single and, you know, being in my twenties. Being
0: single is hard.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a tough time and it's a challenging time as it is. You're trying to date, you're trying to be, to, um, you know, be in different social situations. There's just different social pressures and, and, you know, people are in different stages. So it's just really awkward in general, but I, I think I found at one point I found myself just, just struggling, you know, I think it was kind of a, a low point for me in a, in a bottom within my own challenges and in my own situation. And so one of the things that I was trying, I was trying to get out of it. I was just in a spiritual low point and, and really wasn't doing the things that I knew that I needed to be doing. wasn't really, you know, attending like full church the way that I needed to, um you know, was missing a lot there wasn't my spirituality was off and and really wasn't being kind of standing in in holy places, i guess or being in places that you know were, were gonna bring me closer to god and so, in order to get out of that, what I recognized is it took a lot of intention like I mm-hmm. had to be very intentional about it and for me, what that meant was i i went i remember going into the like the church congregation that I was a part of in our church, there's it's you know there's like a singles
0: singles ward, the
1: singles ward. It's kind of <laughs> notorious as being just like a you know kind of a, a just a fun place where a bunch of people who are single get together and you you know find people to date and hang out with and um, there's you know, all you're kinds going of funny little there's a lot of to... like cultural kind of quirks and weirdness about it.
0: Yeah, what was the like have a cookie?
1: Have a cookie, take a lookie. <laughs> and so they'd have like a little uh, after church. Hey, let's all you know, like a social. Let's like get together and let's let's put some cookies on a table and see if anybody you know hits it off, type of thing. Or let you know, let's just have some conversations. So, I don't know. One of my buddies told me about that. He's like, "Oh, the have a cookie, take a lookie." I'm like, "That's funny." But, or
0: like we used to call it in the, in another singles ward that I went to the the ward list, which is really is supposed to be a list of all the people in the ward, so you can plan get-togethers or contact people when you're doing a service project, we would call it the ward menu because... It oftentimes had everyone's picture, so then we would go through and try to find like all the cute boys. Karen
1: would find all the all the cute boys she wanted yeah. to go on on a, on the a date with. So yeah, there's just a lot of funny quirks with that. But but I went, you know, I was going to a singles ward, and I remember looking around, and there it was a really big ward. It was kind of like the popular, cool place to be up in Utah at the time, and really a lot of really cool people in all walks of of life would show up to this this ward every Sunday, and I looked around and I'm like, man, I really need to surround myself with good people. Like at this point in my life, I'm trying to make changes. I'm trying to be in a good spot and be ready to be married, uh, you know, in, in in our church in the temple, which requires like a certain spiritual standard that you have to live. Um, and it's, you know, it's a really big goal that um, that I was working towards. And so I'm like, I know that I'm not where I need to be and I need to be better. So I looked for... Like the most amazingly, what I would see is like really spiritual people that were like really cool, obviously friendly. That I, you know, just as on a friend level, thought they were just cool people, but then also they were just extremely spiritual, and and you could see it in their actions. And so I found a group of guys within the singles ward. There was, you know, maybe five or six of these guys that kind of just teamed up with and and hung out with and went on, you know, group dates and, you know, did, did fun activities with and it just lifted me up. Like it just strengthened me, put my head in the right spot. It put my, my desires in the right place and really just pointed me in the right direction. So, and and brought out the best in me so that I could get to where I wanted to be spiritually.
0: influenced by these friends and spending time with them. And when I met you and it was kind of like, hey, come hang out with my friends. You can tell a lot about a guy by meeting his close group of friends and who he spends his weekends with. And I remember being um, impressed by the group of guys that you were choosing to hang out with. But I want you to specifically explain how you went about that. It, It was something when you mentioned intention, it wasn't like, they came after you and said, Hey, this guy looks cool. Let's invite him to everything. Right. You made an effort yourself.
1: That's the thing is it, it's like, and there's a quote it's in one of the pamphlets, um, for the youth in our church. It's called the, um, the, for the strength of the youth pamphlet. And so it's like teachings of the prophets of our church or the leaders of our church. And they put it into a pamphlet. And so in the friendship section, it, it talks about like, if you want you know, if you want to make friends first, be a good friend. So it takes a lot of work and it almost, it takes like really, it took getting out of my comfort zone. Like it's not comfortable. Like I'm like, man, I feel like a loser. Like I have to be like, Hey man, like let's hang out sometime. You know, like that was, I had to be kind of that guy and almost like insert myself into conversations and into planning and be like, Hey man, let's, yeah, let's do this. And and it takes time because I think initially, like, we're all kind of hardwired to have a little bit of a, of a shield or like a buffer where it's kind of like, until you build that trust with someone, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of can't get close to them and, and be a real friend. And so they have to have a consistent interactions with you and, in different scenarios and situations to where, to where that trust builds up to where they look at you and they're like, all right, you know, I've seen this person, I've gotten to know them and I know the type of person that they really are. It's not just a front, like they're actually this way and and I feel comfortable with them um, and, and I feel like they accept me and vice versa. So, and, and then at that point, you can really have a great relationship. And so with some of these guys, like it did, it took some time, like jokingly, I remember one of them, one of my one of my buddies is his name's Nick. I don't think he'd mind me mentioning him on this podcast, but I'd see him at the gym all the time, and it, we would kind of just like, you know, at that point in time, you're like you got your tough guy face on. You're at the gym, you got your ear earphones on. You kind of pass each other, give you know, give you the nod, or you're like, hey, "What's up, dude?" Like. And so we would pass each other all the time and I he like finally we started talking and he's like yeah dude you're always just like mean mugging me walking by I'm like whatever dude I think you're a total stud like and and so it was just it was this this moment of like discovery of like hey we act you know we're great friends and yet we've got this like this this kind of front up that like we don't need to we don't need to front like we can just be buddies here. Well so, let me
0: let me translate that into
1: Sorry, I'm, I get a little slanged a little out when I'm talking about boys, like. Female terms.
0: Out. Well, I think that a majority, not all, but a majority of our podcasts are probably women. Uh, listeners are women. So here's the thing that I think is universal. I think everyone feels like oh, everybody else has their group of friends and everyone's getting invited to things. And I, you know, if you feel if you're one of the majority of the people who responded to that. Poll that I did on Insta stories about do you feel like you have friends? Is it hard to make friends? I think it's the myth that everyone's living in this alternative reality where everybody else is best friends or they're out doing things and you're the only one not getting invited. I think that's how most people feel that it feels like, oh, like I, you know, I'm not in the inner circle. But the way you break out of that is by. Inviting other people to do things with you is by intentionally looking at a group of people and saying, I want to be friends with these people, or I want to make an effort to be friends with people who are like minded or who are going to support me in my goals or help me with whatever you're looking to do. You know, if you're looking to be fit, like join a group of people who are working out together or You know, Neil did that in this new neighborhood that we're in. He's got this like five a.m. crew, and they go and work out together. And it seems like that was something that I don't know. I don't even know how I'm, what I'm trying to get at. But
1: what I've found in doing this, and I feel like I, like I said, I've been, I've had like really good, solid friendships, like really deep relationships, and, and meaningful relationships with friends throughout my life. But I, I think that the common way that I've found that is like, initially there's, there's so much social pressure to live up to a certain way or to come off a certain way, or I got to look a certain way, or I got to, you know, there's all these expectations that we either put on ourselves or, you know, due to where we live or social norms or pressures, we feel like we have to live up to these. Expectations of others, and that if we don't, we're somehow like not going to be cool or not going to be accepted. The times that I've found the most meaningful relationships are the times where I just absolutely disregard all of that and just be like, "Look, man i I just, dude, I just love you, man. I think you're a stud. I think you're a cool guy. Like, and and I have that type of an approach, and I'm comfortable. And there's a lot of vulnerability. It's hard to do because, like, you, you know, everything in your being is saying, like, you know, you got to protect yourself and people are going to hurt, you know, your feelings are going to get hurt or whatever. But I think, I think of that, a perfect love casteth out all fear. And yes. so when you really just don't have that fear. And, and you just are honestly like, look, dude, I don't care. I just think you're cool. Or I I just want to hang out or you're a great person. Or I really admire this and you're genuine and you feel that people sense that. And that's what they, that's what they connect with. And that's where that connection begins. But it requires a lot of times doing things that are really like getting out of your comfort zone in a big way.
0: Yeah. And I think that That's The vulnerability part of that is so key. And I think that as women, I think that's one thing. I want to go into a little bit of the gossip piece because I think that that can really be a roadblock for a lot of women to have deep friendships. And interestingly, my friend Shannon on Instagram this summer talked about Going on a road trip with some other girls, and it was right before she and I met up at a conference. And I didn't go on the road trip with her; she was with some other girls from her like the town that she was living at the time. But I thought this was super interesting. She said her number one rule for girls' trips is no talking about other women. I thought that was super interesting because there's this false sense of vulnerability that women think that they're connecting when they're talking poorly about other women because it gives them like something in common, but it's a a false sense of vulnerability because when you sit and talk about someone else poorly, or you listen to someone else talk about someone, talk about someone else poorly, all you're doing in the back of your mind is thinking, well, I wonder what they're going to say as soon as I leave, right? So the opposite of doing that is to refrain from that, refrain from gossiping, because at the end of the day, we all know that gossip is not a good thing. And the opposite of that is this quotation that I love by Jeffrey R. Holland. And he says, think the best of each other, especially of those you say you love. Assume the good and doubt the bad. And I think we can all apply that, especially as women, to friendships, to intentionally not make false connections through gossip or talking badly about other people or, talking about other people in general, but just assuming the best of others and talking about uplifting things. And I crave that. I crave that in friendships. I crave friendships where I can talk about things that really deeply matter to me, about parenting, about spirituality, about how to be better in my marriage, about what I read in the scriptures that week, about hard things and how I'm overcoming them and asking my friends how they're overcoming things. I just saw one of my very closest girlfriends from college, her name's Brittany, and we spent the weekend together. And it was just so nice to talk to her about the things that I've gone through this year and that she's gone through and what the struggles have been and what I've learned and what I've overcome and the things that I felt like have been little tender mercies that the Lord has given me. And I promise you that those types of conversations, if you're intentional and willing to Make an effort to have those with people. Those are deep, trusting, lasting type of friendships that you know those people will have your back because you're intentionally choosing to make the relationship about things that really matter. And I I believe that with all my heart. And I haven't always been perfect at that, but I've made a huge effort in the last. You know, I want to credit that to you, Neil. I think that Neil is super good about not speaking poorly of anyone. And I think that his influence has really rubbed off on me in our marriage in the eight years, really the 10 years we've been together, but the, you know, eight years that we've been married. uh, His example has just been a really good one to me of not speaking poorly about others and assuming the good, doubting the bad. And he's always good at helping me see, oh, well, maybe this person was thinking this or that, but just in general, you know, not getting that false sense of like a rise off of talking about things that you feel like something you felt wronged in or whatever, that really doesn't solve problems. It's kind of just one of Satan's little tricks of getting us to feel like we're justified or, and it all just boils down to pride. It's all at the end of the day, a pride issue. I love, love, love the talk. Beware of pride. We should put that in the show notes because I feel like anytime I have a conflict with anyone Neil (laughs) or, you know, a close family member or a close friend or just, or even, you know, in work associations or anything at all. If I read that talk, beware of pride, it's my reset button. It helps me go back to ground zero every single time and see where I can have humility and understand where the other person is coming from and how I can try to make my wrongs right and, and try to be right with Everyone. And at the end of the day, like that's where I feel the most peace. That's such a huge part of being in recovery and being in the 12s and, you know, actively being in the steps and steps 10 through 12, you know, not ever sitting in conflict with people, but working through those things. That's such a big deal to me. And if I'm ever struggling with that, I go back to that talk and time and time again, it's just, like I said, a reset button for me. So, uh, but overall, I just feel like for women in general, It's vital to create friendships on things that will build trust and gossiping or talking about others will never build trust, but talking about deep things that matter, like how you're improving yourself or how you're trying to be a better mom, or even you can talk about your bad days, but talk about them in ways that are raw and real. Yes, but also are how, how am I looking to my faith or to a power higher than myself to try to get out of this rather than who can I point to blame?
1: Yeah. No, I I think there's a lot in there. I mean, that's that you said that I think is totally true. And I I mean, I am not perfect at that. And I'm not the one who, I, I really followed the example of my brother in that, my brother Dave. When I was in eighth grade, he was leaving on his mission, uh, mission for our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um and he wrote me this letter and he talked about these different principles of, of building relationships and what's really important and some things that I probably see as I went into high school and, and, you know, ways that I'd be influenced by. And so one of the things that he wrote is he's like, he told me to read a book. He said, read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's That's by Dale Carnegie. Um, probably one of my favorite books. Um and, and I think there are different philosophies on it, um, but I do think that the principles are are legitimate. And I and I think that as I've strived to, I noticed a big difference when after I read that book and it was like eighth or ninth grade, and then I started to try and implement those actions in my relationships. That suddenly, like, I found myself surrounded by the, just a fantastic group of people, and had these really deep and meaningful relationships and conversations and wonderful things that would that would happen. And so it was, it was so cool to see that. And, and so I think it is, it's really hard, not the, and one of the principles from that, from that book, um, how to win friends and influence people is never speak ill of others or gossip. Yeah, And it's really, really challenging to do that, but I'm always impressed by people that, that live that. And you can tell that they live that because when that gossip starts to happen, you'll see them go silent mm-hmm. or they'll jump in and defend somebody or give a contrary type of opinion. Be like, you know what? Like, I really actually like that guy. Like, I think he's super cool. And they'll, they'll like say something, pause. And one of my friends, Carter was fantastic at this. Anytime we're in a conversation, people would be saying something, maybe saying something negative about somebody. He'd be like, you know what? I actually, I really like that person for this reason. And he'd bring up something positive about it, about them. But it does, it does, it comes down to pride. And, and really that's something we got to watch out for. And one one thing that I was going to throw out as well, I love the talk, beware of pride. I listened to another one. Um, this is by Kim B Clark, in September, 2009. Um, it's called, are Ye stripped of pride? And it's a follow-up talk to be aware of pride. He, he kind of references that. Um, but I listened to that. I was like, man, that's like, it was almost cutting i'm like man i've got a long way to go so really i mean just it was recently released uh released on on a podcast but um just an awesome one but but yeah i i really relate to what you're saying
0: talk about a couple tactical things with I do think that that book you brought up how to win friends and influence people is such a great tool and it it opened my eyes a lot to okay am I aware of how often I'm asking someone questions about themselves and validating their feelings and what are some of the things what are some of the other tactical tips that you can remember that because I know you love that book so much that you feel like you've taken into developing friendships
1: yeah. It's been a while. I actually need to review that book, but basically it's like speak in terms of the other person's interests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, and these are, some of these are just blatantly obvious. You're like, well, yeah, you know. Um,
0: but sometimes they're not. you don't think not, about them. Maybe you're not yeah. focusing
1: on them, but but being a, a good listener um, and actively listening and being engaged, like finding something about somebody that you genuinely feel interested in. And that's one of the things is become genuinely interested in the other person, you know, speak in terms of their interests. And it's, it's amazing. And one of the examples that he says in the book is like having this conversation with this person about, um, I can't remember exactly what, maybe it was somewhere that they had traveled, that they went on and on and on about this person. He kept asking them, he was really interested in it. He's he's having this great conversation. At the end of the night, he really didn't say much about himself, but he walked away. And the comment was made after he left that, you know, that person who had talked about these journeys they'd been on, they're like, wow, that person is so amazing. They, you know, they thought that the world of this person that just sat and listened to them talk and and listened to them and was genuinely interested. And and I think it's like obviously you it can't be one sided you gotta you know in order for there to be a relationship there has to be two components it's not it's a give and a take so you you know you balance that out but just just going to the fact I think that we all deep down we just want to be understood we want to be yeah. heard and we want to be listened to and that's the way that we can feel loved by another person
0: so true I think too it's important to remember that friendships don't always come packaged exactly the way you think they're going to. And one of my greatest examples of this was when I went on a study abroad to London and my very closest friendship out of that experience was the least like, like the least expected friendship, I guess I should say. And my friend Marianne, if she listens to this, will laugh. But she and I, it felt like we're the most opposite that we could be in the beginning. I think she looked at me and thought, Who is this foofy girl who, I, at the time, I was doing broadcast journalism. So I would walk into class, you know, all like ruffled feathers from my whatever I had just been doing over in the broadcast studio in high heels and a super dressy outfit. And I think she just was like, Wow, this girl is a, a bit much for me. And Marianne was just more kind of quiet and reserved, at least in the beginning. And we found ourselves one day where I think like the tour bus had left or something, and it was just the two of us. And we had to have a cup of hot cocoa together. And she and I both laugh about how we kind of looked at each other and thought, I don't have a whole lot to say to this person because we don't probably have much in common, and yet, as we got to know each other and the months went on, by the end of that four months that we lived in London together, she was my very closest friend. We ended up living together. We still stay in touch. She's still one of my dearest, dearest friends. And I think sometimes you just have to be willing to look past your stereotypical friend that you think, you know, if you're like, I'm only friends with people who are athletic or I'm only friends with people who are beach bums, or I'm only friends with people who are this way, or whatever, you might be surprised. And sometimes the greatest friendships can come out of unexpected places. Someone who isn't the same age as you, or isn't in the same phase of life as you. I still think back to one of my youth leaders when I was 13 years old, who took the time to come and sit on my sofa with me while I was sick and missed three months of school. And I remember she didn't do anything that was huge as far as she didn't bring me some amazing treat or she wasn't really like that, but she gave me her gift of time. And she came and sat with me and watched TV and laughed with me until my belly hurt because I had just had abdominal surgery. And anyway, her friendship, Lara Belknap, is someone whose I will treasure forever and ever because it meant so much to me that she she had a gift for always making each person that she came in contact with feel like, you are the most important person to me. And I think that sometimes friendships with old people, older people, or people who are younger, or, you know, just sometimes you need to be open to friendships that don't exactly look like someone who's just like you, if that makes sense.
1: That totally makes sense. One of the things that I really love too is One of my friends, one of my good friends, my buddy Jay, he always says, um, you know, we're all more alike than we are different. I think that society right now, there's such a big emphasis on individuality and on focusing on our difference. Like this is what singles me out. This is how I'm different. I'm different in this, you know, thought process, or I'm if there's such an emphasis on being different. Or like labeling or labeling mm-hmm. one another, where it's like, look, man, we're all in this together. Like we're all we're all like more alike than we are different. And when you look at it from that standpoint, it makes a big change. Suddenly, suddenly it's like driving in traffic is a different experience interactions with people just out in public is a different experience when you recognize we're all more alike than we are all are different and i think when you get into situations and and i really learned this in in recovery and in going to 12 step meetings is leading with your weakness is when when you see you know you understand what people's weaknesses are and you align with that weakness, you're like, man, I struggle with that too. It creates a connection. There is a, there is a solid understanding and an instant love and connection because of an understanding of a weakness or a struggle or a challenge. Um, but we're just hardwired to cover those things up and really not talk a whole lot about them. But, When you do and you discover those connections, some of my closest, I would say almost all of my closest friends in some way, shape or form have that thread interwoven into that relationship of some vulnerability or or some uh, understanding of a weakness and that creates a really strong bond. So I, I think, it, again, it takes kind of getting outside of yourself and maybe taking a contrary action that you typically wouldn't in talking about a weakness or a challenge. And, and, and you know, obviously a, someone you feel comfortable or safe enough with. And oftentimes what you'll find is they struggle with the same thing. Yeah. And and that creates a really, and then you can support each other. And, and man, that's that's just a very strong, you know, back and forth, way of of serving others and then being served within a relationship.
0: Another thing, too, I think that we've found in our circles of recovery and going to meetings is when you serve people or when you are served by people, you love them.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I've watched that with my parents, with the different callings they've had in their church roles, you know, with serving the youth or serving. Uh, my mom spent a few years serving all of the women in her church congregation as what they call the Relief Society president, where she basically was in charge of all the women in the ward and not only all the women, but all of their families and all of their troubles and everything difficult that they were facing. And I watched my mom grow to love these people so deeply because of her service toward them. And I think we've found that in our recovery circles too, with the ARP meetings that we go to, I feel like I have so much love for those who whom we've served and also those who have served us, who have given up lots and lots of hours to run meetings and to answer phone calls and to work hour by hour, step by step with you and with me
1: yeah. on
0: becoming better. And that's the beautiful circle of life with recovery is you've got the people who come in who are just broken and they desperately need someone to help them. And then you've got the people who have some time and they've, they have what those broken people want and they all need each other. You know, you need the people who are in need and then the people who are willing to serve need, you know, they need to help. And then the people who, like, it's just such a beautiful thing that we all need each other. And I think that those friendships really become strong when you serve people. When you serve people, it's hard to not love them. And I think that that's another huge thing that Neil and I have found is when we've moved around and been in different places that you find such strong community in these church groups. And I just would encourage anyone who is feeling lonely or feeling like they're having a hard time finding friends to find a community. And serve in that community. I think that if you're just looking for like, well, why doesn't anyone call me up? Or why isn't anyone asking me to do stuff? Not only is it good to like look for ways to just invite people, but if you aren't even at that point where you're like, I don't even know who I would invite, find a community and get to work and go serve. And it doesn't have to just be church. And I want to give one example of when I was going through my divorce a few years ago, I remember feeling just super down. And it was such a heavy, heavy time for me. And because of the uh, encouragement of some of my friends and my parents, I looked for an organization or an opportunity to serve. I said, I need to get out of myself. I need to get out of just this very small little box that I'm living in of my own tiny reality of all the little ups and downs of going through this divorce. And I just need to find something where I can help someone else. So I became a wish granter for Make-A-Wish. And that was just really such a cool experience for me to become deeply immersed in these wishes for these kids who had life-threatening illnesses. And that really, you know, I I gained a lot of great friendships there. I had great friendships at work. Um, but if you're a stay-at-home mom and you don't have opportunities for something like that, join a mom group. And serve them and find out how you can help other people and how you can maybe volunteer to help organize an event or do some service in your community. I guarantee you there's just so many places that you can find other people who, and the cool thing is to when you put yourself out there to serve, you find other like-minded people who are actively finding ways within their life to better themselves. So they're most likely not like, selfish, downer kind of people. They're the type of people that are going to lift you up. And you know that's something that I feel like has been a huge blessing to us as we've gone to our different church congregations and found people who are willing to go spend two to three hours a week sitting in church and trying to better themselves. And they're typically also willing to serve others around them. And we've intentionally looked for people who are strong in their faith to try to surround ourselves with so we can be strong too. So we can try to keep that at the center and the core of our lives. And I just feel like, you know, if if that's something that you're struggling with and you feel like I don't even know where to find friends, which was one of the, that was one of the most common responses to the poll that I did. If that's you, then I would just strongly encourage you to look for places you can, communities you can be a part of and how you can serve. Because I think service is one of the best ways to get to know people and to love people and to surround yourself with other like-minded people who are also trying to become better. My last and final thought that, you know, I usually ask people and I'll, I'll ask you the question at the end, but I usually ask people if there's one thing that you want to remember, what What do you want that one message to be? And my one message might might be a little unexpected or maybe not. If you know me really well, this probably won't actually be that unexpected, but Jesus Christ really is the perfect friend. And I used to be kind of bothered when I would hear people in church say, like, Jesus Christ is my best friend. And I would think, you've never even seen Jesus Christ. Like, how can you say that he's your best friend? You've never been in the same room as him. How can you say he's your best friend? And my response to that is, if you spend time in the scriptures and you get to know Christ by reading his word, I promise you, and if you are praying and you are trying to become closer to him the reality of the atonement of Jesus Christ and how encompassing that can be will become more and more real to you. And he will become the one person who can understand perfectly exactly what you're going through. And I find that to be one of the truest miracles of the atonement of Jesus Christ is that he is the one person who, if you get on your knees and you pray to your heavenly father, that Christ as your advocate is always going to understand exactly what you're going through. And if you go to him, even with the problem of I'm struggling to find friends, he's going to help you. And that's my one last thought that I want everyone to know is that that, that can be a reality to you. I promise you from my personal experience, that if you make an effort to know Jesus Christ through his scripture and through his word, and by living his teachings, that he can become your best friend and the one and only person in the whole entire world, who understands exactly what you're going through all of the hardest things that you will ever face in life. He will be right there with you. So that that's my parting advice. What, what's the last one standing message that you want to leave with our listeners today about friendships?
1: I second that first and foremost. Um, I think I totally agree with that, you know, and, in, in having that faith in Christ and understanding of him being our closest friend and have had the same experience. I think for me, um, you know, and I think it maybe it's just due to this year and losing my brother earlier this year, it just kind of cuts through everything very quickly. And so that fear that keeps us, I would just say the one thing that I would, you know, message that I would hope that people would take away from this is like, let's just drop all of the expectations that we have of others or expectations of ourselves or how something should be and, and cut through that fear, just drop it and, and make place, make room for, for love for others and just be like, you know, I I think stepping into a situation where you just, if you treat it as though today is the last day on earth and, you know, we're, you know, we're all going to, you know, the, whatever the world's going to end tomorrow. Mm -hmm. How would I interact in this situation? So much of the stuff that holds me back from just loving another person and being honest or open or whatever that looks like, or giving a compliment or a kind word. All of that, you know, those barriers are gone and you really see it for what it is of like, you know, yeah, like I, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for who you are as a person. I'm so grateful for you as my family member. I love you. Like these types of things that I think we hold back because of whatever crazy things in our lives. But Recognizing I think when you when you approach it with that type of a, a lens of like, hey, this is you know, we're we're all, you know, potentially gonna be gone tomorrow, life is short, I think it cuts through everything and, and it gets right down to the nitty gritty and it, it clears away those barriers so that you can just, you know, without blockages, just just love and be a friend. And what you'll find I think most times is you'll get that in return and that's where beautiful things happen.
0: So true. Thanks for doing this with me tonight. Thanks, you guys, for listening. I hope that you got something out of this that will help you, that you can look to what your friendships are like and strengthen some part of that. And um, we'll catch you here next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast, and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox, and we'll email you every time there's a new episode.